This place is on the map. The adventure map. Welcome to the Marty Morissette audio experience. <laughs> Let's go. I have been camping for well over 20 years now. And over those 20 years, I've made many, many mistakes. And even today, I, I still make some mistakes. So in today's podcast episode, I want to share with you six mistakes that even experienced campers, because I like to think I'm an experienced camper. I might not be a pro. I might not be the best, but cer I certainly have a lot of experience around it. And I want to share six mistakes that some of which I've made earlier in my camping career, but some of which I still make to this day that I should be working on. And if you're new to camping, I think this is going to be extremely valuable because hopefully, uh, if well, because if I've made those mistakes, I know other people are going to make them. I know other people are making them already. And hopefully I can help you and bring value to this conversation so that I can push you forward a little faster and, and hopefully make you skip a couple of those mistakes because I've done them for you. If you're already super experienced, you're already a pro, you already, you already do a lot of camping, you are probably aware of most of these uh, mistakes uh, just because you've probably done them yourself as well. So let's just have fun together and uh, share a few anecdotes and I'm sure you're going to get a good laugh out of it. If uh, you're re getting ready for your summer camping season, before we dive into the content here, um, and uh, you want to go through your gear, making sure everything is ready to go so that you don't have to run around too much in the summertime, or maybe you want to start planning and you want to start kind of going over the gear that you already have and try to figure out what it is that I'm missing so I can be ready to go out on my next camping trip. If you go over to my website, martymorset.com, and on the top right, there's going to be a free gear checklist that you can get yourself. And all you got to do is essentially join the, the email list, and then you're going to be getting that automatically. That gear checklist can be extremely valuable um, to, to help you pack. But also, like I said, like if you want to go over your gear before the summertime, make sure everything's in good work and order, like we did, on, um, like I talked about on last week's episode. Or if you want to just kind of figure out what are some of the gear that perhaps you still need to purchase so that you're ready to go, uh, martymorsa.com, join the email list, uh, get your free gear, camping gear checklist. It's super valuable. It's pretty driven towards canoe camping in some sense, but it's very similar to, the, it would be very similar to backpacking and all that. So uh, go ahead and get that. It's free. It's for you. Hopefully it brings you value. Uh, it's 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 a tool that it's, has been extremely valuable to, to some of the audience. So I want to make sure I share that with you. Uh, I don't exactly know where you're coming from to be listening to this podcast. I'm actually quite intrigued. Uh, but maybe, maybe you're coming from Instagram. Maybe you're coming from TikTok. Maybe you're coming from YouTube. Maybe you're coming from Facebook. Maybe you're coming from Twitter. And in the odd chance, maybe you're coming from LinkedIn. Uh, the reason why I'm, 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 I'm wondering where you're coming from is because a lot of you that might be consuming some of the content through one of the stream, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, LinkedIn, maybe you don't know that I, that I make content on other platforms. And I want to invite you to come over to all of these platforms and, and follow me. Uh, I share, I, 
it's I share just in different format essentially a lot of the same content but just explained a little differently shown in a different content uh, and maybe you want to connect with me through some of these social medias so uh, most of my social media handle for like Instagram YouTube uh, Facebook I don't think that Facebook it's like that but anyways Instagram and TikTok it's Marty Morissette YT for YouTube, uh, for YouTube, it's just Marty Morissette. My website is Marty Morissette. For LinkedIn, it's, it's Marty Morissette. For Facebook as well, <laughs> it's Marty Morissette. And for Twitter, it's Marty Morissette, but the last E of my name is actually a three. Um, so there's plenty of places. I try to publish almost every day. So I'm very curious to, to, to know where you come where you're, um, where you came from to, 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 to listen to this podcast. So if you already follow me on some of those platforms, you want to shoot me a DM to let me know kind of how you found the podcast. That'd be fantastic. It's just interesting to know where people are, uh, are coming from. Also, if you want to, um, you know, this podcast here, the, the Marty Morissette audio experience is designed to, it's really designed to bring value to, to, it's designed to help you, you know, have a good time and, and uh, be better prepared and share experiences, share stories to you so that on your next camping trip, you can bring that over with you. And if you're just a camping nerd like I am and you just can't get enough of hearing about it, it's a good place to come also to review some of that stuff and just for hopefully some straight up entertainment as well. But I want this to be driven by conversation as much as possible. I'm here in my basement. It's like 5.30 a.m. again this morning, drinking my coffee, talking into a mic, and, and I'm alone here. But I know that I'm not alone doing all that content. I know a lot of you are out there listening, and I am super appreciative of that. I would love for this to be conversation-based a bit more. Uh, not a bit more, but I, want, I would like for this to be driven by conversation from you so that I can bring you the most value that I can to really make this as fun as possible for you. So if you have any questions, um, you have any topics you would like me to cover, you have any, uh, you'd like to hear my take on something, uh, please go ahead and, and reach out to me through whatever means. Like I said, I'm on all the platforms, all the DMs, uh, emails, marty at martymorset.com. Uh, you can go on my website, go to the contact form. You can DM me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all of it. If you can DM me any of that, that would be great. I'll bring you onto the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll share your questions here. <clears throat> if you don't want to be, uh, yeah, I'll share your, your question here. And I think it could be fun for me to, um, and, and, and valuable for you to answer through a bit of a Q and a, if you want. And in the best, best, best world, if you're, if you're game for it, if you're, if you're into it, uh, I would love for you to send me a voice memo or even better, just a selfie video of yourself, asking me your question so I can then bring you on to the different, again, format of the different social media uh, so I can share your question and I can answer it live or uh, through different formats, not only through an audio format here, but I can make clips for Instagram, TikTok and all that. I Like I said, all I want to do is is help you guys out, make the most of your next camping adventure so you can push your limits, so you can create memories. And that's what I do here. At, I'm, you know, I 
all I want to do is, is to make sure that you have the best time out there on your next trip. And so if you want to participate, I would love for that to happen. That would be great. Also, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing me a huge favor and on all the, however you're listening to this podcast, if you can go ahead and give it a rating, um, that would be super appreciated. It does help in the whole process of the algorithm, if you will, uh, to kind of rank uh, different podcasts so that it's more visible to other people so we can reach more people. That's it uh, for uh, all the little announcements, a little bit of a personal update. It is Tuesday morning after the long weekend of Easter. If you celebrate Easter, happy Easter. I hope you guys had a good time. Hope it was an opportunity to go and see uh, some of your family, some of your friends. We uh, ourselves here had the chance to go to um, actually my in-laws, Nat's cousins were were hosting... um, uh, um, an Easter brunch and, uh, man, that was super fun. Like we spent all day there. It was beautiful on Sunday morning, on Sunday as well, although a little windy, but, oh, speaking of wind, I have a good story. I'll share that in a sec. <laughs> if you're from the Ottawa region, the weekend, uh, of Easter was a windy one. And, uh, I have an interesting story <laughs> to share, but it was, it, whole point is, um, for Easter, it was super fun. We got to, to meet, uh, see a lot of people that we haven't seen in a while, to be honest. Some of the folks that were there I hadn't seen in two years, two and a half years, ever since COVID hit. And, uh, you know, every opportunity that we have to hang out together as a family with friends, uh, it's something I, I value a little differently than before uh, nowadays. And uh, I hope you, you, you got the opportunity to do that as well because it was fun for us. And then the next day, uh, my sister... Steph uh, hosted a, a, a an Easter lunch, and it was great. Again, all the cousins, all the kids were there. My sisters uh, were there. My parents were missing because they're out in Spain. Because they're out in Spain still, so uh, we had to do Easter without them this year. But I'm pretty sure they're having a good time out there, so I'm not too worried about them. The wind, uh, like I said, if you're from the Ottawa region, over the last over the Easter weekend, the wind was pretty significant and we had a pretty significant thunder uh or wind storm uh and i don't know how close the tornado it was but uh it just a i guess funny anecdote now that it's over but i was out i was in the kitchen cooking dinner and uh when i i could hear a lot of noise happening because the the sound of the wind things were banging around things were flying around outside and I, i look over uh at the back window of my house and I see uh, we have like this like 15 footer tra- uh, trampoline out there and uh, the trampoline had kind of warped on itself just like it had moved and warped and I'm like holy cow and I'm talking to Nat on the phone as I'm cooking I'm like I gotta go so I run outside I run outside and as soon as I open the garage door I realize like the canoes are off the canoe rack they're tumbling into the field so and I, I'm looking around I'm like okay what do I what do I go first here? Like, there's a lot of like little things flying around. So, f- for me, I didn't believe that the the, the trampoline was going to go. So I I went for well. Plus, I mean, I have a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a um, maybe I, I I like my canoes a bit more. So I reached for my canoes first, bring them in the garage, bring little odds and ends that I didn't want to fly away in the garage. And I turn the corner. I come out of the garage. I turn the corner to go to the to the trampoline to 
I'm not sure what I was what I would have done anyways because it's not I would have just held on to it until it was over. But I just turned the corner of the house and the the trampoline is tumbling like doing cartwheels all the way to the back of the property, and uh, it just like you know it I've. I've never seen like a 15 footer trampoline just like tumble across the field like that. Ends up at the end of the property. I run back inside the garage. I grab some some uh, climbing ropes uh, that I had. I run to the back, and it's pretty. I guess it's somewhat dangerous. I mean, sh things are flying out. I tied a trampoline to a tree, uh, and I'm like, I guess it'll it'll be for tomorrow's uh, worry. Now I just didn't want it to go anywhere else. And I got super lucky that I didn't hit any car or any 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 houses. You know, it's one thing for it to hit my house or my car. It sucks. You got to deal with it. But it's another thing that if it hits the neighbor's car or the neighbor's house, because now you have to deal with that as well, right? So I was just super thankful it, it went out to the back. And it also didn't hit anybody because that could have been dangerous. Uh, but the next day I went out, uh, collected all the missing pieces that along the way it had shedded. And then uh, took it apart. The The frame was bent. The kids were pretty bummed out. So I tried to put it back together, but a lot of it was bent. Um, it's all like metal. So I, I kind of unbent it by by hand and, and I, I managed to put it back up. But it's it's kind of funny, the before and after, because she looks so sad now. She's all uh, caved in a little bit. Um, you know, she's not level anymore. The the, the, the protective net around it is is ripped. Um, it's got life now in a funny story. I, I think a funny story after the fact, at least. So, <laughs> so if you have the moral of the story is that if you have a trampoline, they do fly away. So do anchor them in the ground. I had some, uh, stakes, uh, that are about, uh, 18 inches long that are kind of screwing stakes that you use for a swing set so that the swing set doesn't flip over or tip over when the kids are swinging on it i had those laying around so that's what i ended up using this time around to 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 anchor it down with some ropes hopefully that won't happen again <laughs> all right nice little coffee here <clears throat> so let's dive right into six mistakes I've made over the years as an experienced campers that I want to share with you. Some to which I think are funny. Some some are just extremely practical and, and I still don't do them and I wish I would do them because it would make my life a lot easier. But one of the mistakes that I've made um, maybe like uh, when I got really back into it, because, you know, like anything else in life, you know, there are seasons of life where you're more involved in things than others. And although I've been doing it for you know, over 20 years since I'm 12 years old, uh, you know, there were times in my life where I, I didn't do a whole lot of camping. But by the time I, I was 28, I'd say, when I got really back into it, <coughs> I had probably taken a hiatus of like, mm, probably of backcountry camping, like serious backcountry camping, probably seven, eight years, like my early 20s from 20 to 28, like, you know, I was trying to figure it out working full time got both my kids when I was 23, 24, like, like it was just really busy. So by the time I, I was 28, the kids were a little older, they could come with me. I got back into it. And in that gap between my early 20s and 28 years old, let's say, there's a new wave of backpacking that all, or of camping in general that always existed, but that became probably because of social media became extremely, extremely popular. And the 
first mistake that I, I've made is I've tried to go ultra light. <laughs> ultra light camping is fantastic. It is the innovation. Everything about it is freaking cool. But the truth is that it's not super practical for most people. Ultralight backpack, ultralight camping in general, whether it's backpacking, canoe camping, serves a very specific purpose in sometimes, and and that's when it should be used for. So if you're going to be a through hiker and you're going to hike for four to six months across an entire country, if you're going to be doing some some speed expedition on your canoe, like trying to cross Algonquin Park in four and a half days, uh, if you're going to do um, that kind of things. Um, if you want it to be as simplistic as possible, your camping trip, um, that's also a, a good use of it. Like ultralight camping is serves a very specific purpose. But what happens along the way, <coughs> sorry about that. What happens along the way is that most people get really intrigued. And that's what happened with me. I got really intrigued with ultralight I camping and I looked at all the cool gear. It was super expensive, like like the Dyneema tents, like the uh like the, the light backpacks with no frames in them, like uh the small little sleeping pad, the small little quilts, like everything gets so small and dialed in and super light and it's super cool. Like don't get me wrong, I still man, I kinda really like the ultralight world, but I think it was a mistake for me because it doesn't serve me properly. Your gear, the way you do your camping has to serve the way you do your, your experience at your, your camping. And if, if you're going out for less than seven days, in my opinion, <clears throat> on a backpacking trip, like less than five days on a backpacking trip, and you do that three, like if you do like three to five, five-day backpacking trip a year, I don't think you need to go ultralight. I think uh, I really don't. I don't think it's worth it. If it's something that you're you're truly passionate about and you want to count all your grams and try to bring down that base weight as much as possible, that's great. That's it's something fun. But if we're talking about practicality, it is not a good way to spend your money or your time. In my opinion, I think you're going to waste a lot of your your money because what ends up happening, and that's what happened with me, when you get involved into the ultralight world you you start looking at the gear and you realize how expensive like you're talking like a you know a z-packs duplex in canadian dollars like it'll run you like eight i want to say eight hundred dollars um because i think it's six six hundred dollars american so it might be nine hundred dollars for dyneema fabric tent which is a fantastic tent god i wish i could have that tent but it's really not affordable Unless you decide to dedicate six months of your life to hike across the country, then it's like, well, that's like, that's a cheap kind of rent, right? So it's like $100 or $150 a rent per month. It's a good deal because the rest of the time you're just sleeping outside and it's free. Um, so, so it's super expensive. And what happens to most people is that then they start looking at, at videos like ultralight, cheap ultralight camping gear. And, or backpacking gear or canoe camping gear and then and then they find all these like amazon knockoff alternative <coughs> sorry i've got something in my throat this morning let me <laughs> i'll just drink a little coffee but what ends up happening is most people just ends up buying a bunch of like amazon knockoff gear 
that's cheap. Uh, it's not very expensive. It certainly will reach some level of ultra lightness of, of being extremely light. But for having purchased so much Amazon knockoff ultralight gear, let me save you time and money and effort. And, 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 and also, let's be honest, all that gear ends up in the landfield down the road because it just doesn't last. It is not worth it. Don't waste your time with any of that. Um, there are some, like on my YouTube channel, I've made one or two like cheap ultralight gear that I, I do swear by them. I do enjoy them quite a bit. But I, again, I think that you should be purchasing that for a very specific purpose. Like, for example, their little small BRS stove that's like, I don't know how, how light it is. It's so tiny, so light. It's just a canister stove that you put on. It does one thing and one thing only. It boils water. And ideally, you do that, you do that in a small little 750 milliliter titanium mug. And for that purpose, it is fantastic. But if you go canoe camping for three, four, or five days or for a weekend, you're more than likely going to want to cook something that's more extravagant than eating dry food the whole time where you just boil water and, and rehydrate. So again, fantastic product in this particular case just doesn't seem to serve the purpose of most people um, of most people's experience when they're out camping. So do yourself a favor, skip the UL phase <laughs> right away. Yeah, and, and if you do want to lower your ba base weight, which I do, highly recommend that it is something that i work actively towards i don't look for ultralight gear i look for light gear and there is a difference in the quality of the material they're going to use the durability how long it's going to last and i try to stick to some of the main brands especially like if you want sleeping pads like i bought knockoff sleeping pads they all ended up in the they all ended up ripping there's no warranty they're all in the landfield, and that's really unfortunate. So, uh, you know, sleeping pad, I go to with the big brands now, and I don't necessarily go for the ultralight stuff because the material can be uh, too thin and too fragile. But go for light gear, and you'll be able to do some great work at reducing the weight on your back because that does add a lot of value to your camping to your camping experience, whether you're portaging or backpacking, and. Uh, it, and uh, it, but it won't be as expensive, and it'll be extremely uh, just useful. And you just skip the ultralight step. I don't know what else to say because <laughs> I know so many people that did the same as me. I know so many people that did the same as me, and then they all go back. So uh, you know, just do your best, but don't don't just settle for for weight. Settle for usability, purpose, durability. You're gonna you're gonna thank me on that one. Mistake number two. Oh, this is a mistake I still make to this day way too often, and there's no reason why I still make this mistake. For the second mistake, it's setting up your bear hang in the dark. <laughs> if you don't know what a bear hang is, a bear hang is a way that you, you just attach your food up in a tree so that the bears and the critters can't get to it at night uh, and so that you have food the next day and so that you don't attract bear in your in your campsite a bear hang is one of the most simplest thing that you can do ever it's you got to find a tree where the branch sticking out so you're in the forest camping that seems pretty straightforward tall tree branch sticking out that's about two meters high or a little more so like i don't know 12 feet up in the air 15 feet up in the air 
that is strong enough that allows you to hang your food at least six feet away from the tree. So so two meters away from the tree. Sorry, I said two meters, 14, 15 feet. Uh, two meters is, is six feet. So, uh, but you probably want... Uh, yeah, I, I like I like to hang my stuff like ten to twelve in, uh, feet in the air. There's there's a specific height I just can't remember top of my head right now, but ten to twelve in, uh, feet off the off the ground so that the, the the bears can get to it when they stand on their hind legs. You want it to be six feet away from the tree so that branch has to extend out far enough so that if the bear is climbing they can't grab it and you want to leave it probably another like four feet off the branch that you hang it off of it because if they just stand on the branch they can and it's too close to the branch they can just grab it that is the theory of a bear hang and in theory it sounds very simple because you're out in the bush you're out in the wilderness you're camping there should be that tree everywhere (laughs) the truth about that is that tree is actually quite special it's not everywhere, <laughs> and it's really hard to find. And guess what? It's even harder to find when it's pitch black. So do yourself a favor. I should do myself a favor because, God, I've spent way too many time in the dark with my little headlamp trying to find the perfect tree to hang my food so that I don't have bears coming into my camp eating all my food on day three of a six-day canoe camping trip <laughs> or of a backpacking trip. Do yourself a favor and... Add this, add the bear hang to your camp duties. So, and what I mean by camp duties, when you get to camp, you usually set up your, your, your you know, you set up your tent, you kind of organize camp a little bit, go find your bear hang location right away, set up the rope right away so that all you got to do at the end of the night, after spending two, three, four hours, maybe enjoying a couple of nice beverages with your friends around a campfire and you're really tired, you just want to go to bed, all you got to do is clip your food in there, pull it up, uh, anchor it to, uh, to another tree, and you're good to go. It is the simplest thing to do. And uh, I really wish I would listen to myself on that one because I, it happens too often. You get excited, you know, especially on the first or second day. You're excited to be at camp. You haven't been out in a while. You set up, you, you cook your meal, you get your tent ready, you cook your meal, you start talking with your friends, and next thing you know, it's 2 a.m., and you still don't have a bear hang. Do yourself a favor. Find your bear hang when, it, when there's still light out, and uh, you're going to think of me. You're going to thank me uh, next time you go out. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and um, for the third tip, it's going to be a very similar, it's going to be along the same side of, of, of the bear hang tip. Um, so for the third camping mistake that I make personally, I also uh, I make it less and less because I find that it's extremely valuable to, to do what I'm about to share with you more and more. But the third camping mistake that I find people do, that even experienced camper do, is they don't set up a tarp once they get to camp, even though it might be sunny. I've gotten into the habits over the last, mainly last summer, and especially when I go out with the kids, that as part of my camp duties, I set up the tent, I set up our sleep system, I find the bear hanger, the bear location where I'm going to leave my my barrels, what have you. And I also take, you know, the extra 5-10 minutes to set up a shelter, a tarp shelter essentially, so that if it ever does start to rain I don't have to pitch it. It's already ready for me. 
Now, I know that this can sound extremely overkill, and it probably is uh, for most of the situation. But here's, I started to do that going out with my kids because, like I said, I just wanted to be prepared. You get to camp after a long day of paddling, you know, after a few days, you don't really know that the weather, and even though you might have those in reach or those spot devices you can call the weather, the weather is always wrong anyways, in my experience. So you never know when it's going to rain. And having a shelter in place for that when you're out with the kids, it's just a, it's kind of a nice insurance policy. And I really, really like that because if you wake up in the morning, it's raining, your stuff is already under under the tarp, your chairs are under the tarp, everything is dry, um, and you can just get up and make breakfast. And it's it's just a nice insurance policy, like I said. But the more I've done this with the kids, the more I do that for myself all the time because one of the things that it allows you to do is that it allows you to put all of your gear at the end of the night when you go to bed under that tarp shelter. And it just keeps it off the do. Like, you wake up on a camping morning all uh, during the summer, well, three seasons, spring through fall, and all of your gear is wet just because the dew sat on it. And, you know, you want to sit in your chair, it might be wet, your pack might be wet, and everything kind of gets a little wet because of the dew. But if you have a tarp shelter, even though it didn't rain, you can put all your gear underneath there, your chair, your camping chair, and all that. When you get up in the morning, all of your stuff is dry. And I've started to find that so valuable that I do it all the time now. And I think that's one of those pro tips that not a lot of people think of because it seems like it's overkill, but it's just provided so much value to my experience personally. And I do think um, that, that this is a mistake that even experienced campers don't make. So add that to your camp duties. Uh, you're not going to re regret it, to be honest. I, um, It's just something I do now. It's like second nature, and it works really, really well. And uh, if it if it does start to rain in the middle of the night and you wake up, you're going to have a little smile on your face, and you're going to think of me as like, Marty, Marty was right. I'm going to really appreciate that little tarp tomorrow because I won't have to do that in the rain. <laughs> uh, mistake number four. And even experienced campers make, and I would say that this one might be even more, that e sorry, that mistake might even be one that experienced campers are more prone to making than newbies. And that is to plan way too long of a travel day, especially on your first, on, on your first trip of the season. <laughs> Man. You know, the spring, we're in the spring season here. Paddling season's about to ha start any weekend now. The, 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 you know, depending where you live in, in, in Canada or wherever you live in the world, maybe you're already in the paddling season. But it's going to start for us here uh, in Canada very soon. The lakes are about to sink. Like, the ice is about to sink. The waterways are up. People are antsy. We haven't had an ice out trip, official trip, in the last two years because of in the last two seasons because, sorry, in the last two spring season because of, uh, of uh, COVID lockdown. So people are ready to go. And I can guarantee you people are going to try to bite, take way too large of a bite in their traveling, in their camping than they should. Most, of, most people don't do a whole lot of winter camping. They're not that active to start. You know, the camping season start in the spring. You're excited. And even though you've been doing this for 20 years, every time you're, you make, 
you plan for such long days and that's great. I love a trip where I just paddle from sunup to sundown and it's hard and it's, it's sweaty and it's challenging. That's great. But your first trip of the spring for most people, and I say most people because not for everybody, but for most people, plan way smaller days, way smaller days and enjoy the enjoy the reunion with mother nature the the enjoy being back out there and and not being fighting for such long days of paddling or or of backpacking and it's just a common mistake that i've seen that i've made made myself over the years so many times like whenever i i plan my trips and that's for me it's your there, there's no much downtown time except for spring for my camping season so so it's like year it, this is a tip for me for year round but most of the time especially in the winter time I plan way too long of trips way too long of days but I know that by now like it's been like 10 years that I make the same mistake every time so I all I always have like plan a b c d in case I realize along the way as I'm hiking or or winter camping that I just can't excuse me that I can't make the initial um well itinerary and um so that's kind of how i i disguise planning smaller days you know i'll show my plan to trip to my friends or whatever and it looks like super intense but the truth is that there's always a couple of ways out in case it doesn't make it but man just just plan don't plan too long of a day especially for your first trip get back into it enjoy the time out there having a little bit of time to just relax out there is probably really good for you as well and it gives your body a little bit of time to you know a first introductionary trip of the season to get back into it and uh, be strong for the rest of the season so that you don't hurt yourself as well because the worst is injuring yourself on your first trip of the season and then you're just out of commission or just not at the same level for the for the rest of the summer and that's that's unfortunate tip number five uh tip number five for um for uh, of even that even experienced campers make and that is and that's one that i'm so guilty about <laughs> that is not to use a checklist when packing and that results in forgetting things <laughs> there are there are very few trips that i go on where i don't forget something you know, it could be something as small or something big. And it's it's so annoying to forget something. Uh, sometimes you have, you know, if you left without your tent, you got to go back and get it. Or, you know, for me, like I've left without my tripod for filming. And that's that's annoying because it's you got to go back and get it or you don't film altogether. It depends. You know, it, that's very specific to what I do personally. But for so many people, um, you know, if you forget your your sleeping pad, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a rough a rough weekend without a sleeping pad. It's doable. It's certainly doable. It's just not the way you probably would choose to go uh, if you could pick. And um, using a gear checklist, and even to all my the audience here that is super experienced, been doing this for 20, 25 years. We should really use a checklist every time we go out, and maybe some of you still do. If you're if you don't have a checklist and you would like one, I've already pitched it at the beginning of this episode. But as you know, I do have a canoe camping gear checklist for you on my website, martymorset.com. It wasn't just a shameless plug here so that you join the email list and and, and you get the, the, the checklist. 
uh, on this one here. Uh, it's it's so true. Every time you know I pack and I'm out on my trips, I'm sitting there with my buddy Pierre Antoine, and we talk about this all the time. It's like, why don't we use our stupid checklists? Like we make them, they're there, but we just don't use them. We're too excited, or I don't know. It, it's I don't know why we don't use it, but it would avoid forgetting so many things so often. Uh, you know, and and using checklists to uh, all the way up until you get into the car. The last, I think it was the last, uh, not the last, but one of my canoe trip last year when I went down the Noir River, I forgot all the cold food that was in the in the in the fridge that morning. So like I forgot. No, that wasn't on that trip. It was another trip with the kids, actually. So all the stuff that was in the fridge before leaving, I forgot in the fridge. And that's because I don't use a checklist all the way up until I get in the car and I leave. I should have a checklist where I don't check things off until they're in the car. And I should use that checklist until I start the car and I get going. And that would really um, make my life easier in in many cases. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate because I cannot be the only one doing that. And for tip or for mistake number six that even experienced campers make, and I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but I'll 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 use I'll, I'll, I'll let me say it like that. The sixth mistake that even experienced campers make, and that's one that. As a beginner, if you can fast forward that for you and just skip ahead and just take the knowledge, you're going to thank me quite a bit, is not to properly, do, it's not to do a proper bug management uh, or bring the proper bug management gear, I should say. Um, and I'll, I'll explain this more into details, but bugs are, I've seen grown men break under the pressure of bugs. I've seen people lose their mind under the pressure of bugs. I have lost my mind last year, uh, last year when we were doing that, the desert river and the Eagle River. I have lost my mind at the end of the day of, at, at how itchy I was. It was like a June trip. It was so bad in bugs. Um, I've seen people like they have chicken pox. This is how bad it was. Bugs, don't try to be a tough man or a tough girl around bugs at camp and pretend like you can you can handle it. And I'm talking with experience in the sense that I'm the kind of person that barely gets bitten. When I go out in the backcountry with my buddy Pierre, for every hundred bites that he has, I might have four. And and it's no joke. Like he is my best bug protection ever. They love him and they hate me. <laughs> and that's fantastic for me. <laughs> but even so, even though I don't get bitten, bringing, and that's, that's the mistake here, not, well, it, that's kind of the solution to the mistake, bringing a bug jacket and a bug shelter, it is so game-changing. It's such a big game-changer for the experience out there because, because like I said, bugs will drive you mad. And you can think like you're a tough guy or a tough girl. Sit by the fire, a smoky fire, and I can handle them and wear all that deet and the long sleeves and all that. Or you can buy a bug shelter that's not very big, not very heavy. It's got a little bit of expenses. Or you can buy, you can, you can buy a bug jacket. And that one is the one that I recommend the most, buying a real bug jacket 
from the original bug jacket. You buy that at mec.ca. It is fantastic because it's a little warm. I won't deny that. Not the most comfortable to, to wear at times, but it is revolutionary how it makes the experience 10 times better. You can wear that bug jacket around the campfire if you want to, if it's really buggy. And, and, and it allows you to it allows you to experience the backcountry when the bugs are at its worst. And it being not only manageable, it being fine. Like I, you know, sometimes we when we canoe camp or when we backpack and we get we go through some really swampy areas. And and the mosquitoes are so bad. But with a bug jacket. Sure, it's warm. It feels like you're wearing a bit of a garbage bag on on you, to be honest, because it's it's it can get pretty warm. But at the same time, it's like it, this is so worth it. Like the the sweat is so worth it because you can be out in the buggiest environment and it not bother you at all because you're protected and they just don't bother you. And that is that was a game changer for me last year. I got my first bug jacket for the first time. Uh, no, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. But anyways, I got the original bug jacket last year because uh, I upgraded. And it, that one's by far the best one to get, by the way. So go to mec.ca, get the original bug jacket. It is the best one from my experience. And uh, we did that that June trip that I was talking about just a minute ago on the Eagle River where I got bitten alive. And, and the mistake that I... And we would wear the bug jacket all day long paddling because we had a lot of log jams to do. There wasn't like, it wasn't a fast moving walk and it was a very small river. So the bugs were pretty bad and we would just wear the, the bug jacket all day long. If they're really bad, we would put the hood on. If they weren't, you just take the hood off. Like it's just a zipper that you unzip that you can just like peel back. And it's just so fantastic where I made the mistake on that trip. is when I got to camp, I was, I don't know. I don't know why I did this. I think during the day, the river widened a little bit. We did some rapids and uh, we had done some rapids. So I didn't have my bug jacket on and I got to camp and I didn't think that the bugs were bad. And I set up the camp campsite and all that. And I look back at the footage and I'm covered in bugs. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't notice it while, while I was out there setting up my our camp. And then we're sitting in the bug shelter after, which I'll get to that in a sec. And I'm just so itchy because I have like, thousand bites all over me and that could have been so easily avoided by just wearing my bug jacket and and the other power move is to bring a bug um uh, a bug shelter and i know it can sound overkill uh eureka makes a fantastic uh bug shelter it's called the no bug zone it's a 10 by 10 tarp with like walls that goes down on either side mesh walls um for the for, for the um for the bug protection, uh, I've been using a cheap, cheap outbound. It was a hundred dollars, ten by ten from uh, from Canadian Tire. It's bulky, it's heavy. I would never bring that one backpacking, but I do bring it canoe camping all the time. I'll portage that thing anywhere. Like it is so, so, so nice to be able to have a ten by ten of bug freeze area. Uh, even even in July and August when the bugs aren't that bad but so much valuable when it's early spring, June, early July. It's, it makes the world of difference to have this one little place of sanity where you just don't go insane. You can cook in there, hang out all night long because a lot of what camping is, unless you're doing, like I said, distance and, and speed and all that stuff, a lot of it is 
you travel, you know, six hours in the day, maybe eight hours of the day, you get to camp, then you're going to sit around for another four or five with your buddies, um, and you just want to be able to chat and enjoy a good time. And sure, you can't have a campfire in in the in the bug in the bug shelter, obviously. But honestly, like campfires are fantastic. But in a bug season, to be able to sit in your bug shelter and not not have to worry about bugs, man, game changer. So that one, that's a pro tip, and that's a mistake I see even experienced campers all the time. People don't think of it. People think it's too heavy. People think it's not worth it. And once you do it, you can never go back. It's not, it's, it's so much more comfortable. Oh man. Anyways, those were my, my six mistakes, uh, that I, that even experienced campers still make that I still make that I've made, uh, in the past. Hopefully you guys have found some value into this. Again, if you want to join the conversation, make sure to send me a DM, um, through any of my social media or through email so I can bring you onto the podcast. I would love that. Uh, if you could do me a huge favor, and if you enjoy this 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 podcast, you enjoy this audio experience, uh, please go ahead and rate it. That would be absolutely uh, amazing. I would really, really appreciate it. Otherwise, guys, I wish you an awesome week. We're one week closer to the opening paddling season. I'm super, super excited, and I will see you guys on the next one. Peace.